lift your voice to him. Just give him thanks. Jesus, we just praise you this morning. We thank you for who you are. You are so good. You are so kind and so generous. We worship you. We lift you higher. Glorify your name. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You're seated on the throne in majesty. With all the saints and angels bow before you. Jesus, just one look from you. Just one look from you, one glimpse transforms our lives. It says in Revelations that your eyes are like fire. Posture your heart this morning to receive from him. To receive what he wants to say to you, what he wants to do. Thank you, Jesus. morning when we started the service, we read out of Proverbs chapter 2. So it says, it says, every word he speaks is full of revelation and becomes a fountain of understanding within you. How many of you know this morning that as we speak, Jesus isn't learning anything about himself? Do you realize that, that, that the sermon isn't for, for Jesus to learn about who he is? Right? It's not about, oh, well, that's a great point. I never thought of myself in that light. Like, it's not a counseling session for Jesus. It's not what we're doing here. But it's every single word that he speaks that brings revelation, that wells up inside of us like a fountain. Isn't that incredible? That as we read his word, we actually experience who he is. Do you know that? Do you know that it's not just the sermon part of a, of a, a church service is not just for us to gain some head knowledge about God. It's not to, to grow our brains in in. It, it does grow our brains, but that's not the main point. It's not to gain in intellectual understanding of who God is. It's actually to experience the nature and character of Jesus. You guys awake this morning? You sure? 
Should we get up and do some jumping jacks? It's all the Halloween candy, right? All the parents know what it's about. The kids go out and get the Halloween candy. The parents sit at home and eat it. And then Sunday rolls around and we're still in a sugar coma. We're continuing this morning in our series on the book of Hebrews. And just as a quick recap, the first uh, week we talked about the language of God and how if it doesn't reveal Jesus, then it's not what God is saying. Any word that you hear that doesn't reveal Jesus is not what God is saying. And then uh, week two, we talked about the games we play and how grace is the thing that actually is the game changer. And it's not about works, it's actually about his grace towards us that we don't deserve. And how that is actually the thing that sets following Jesus apart from any other belief system. Then uh, week three, the reason I'm going through all of them is because it's been about three weeks since we've been here, so I figured you guys may have forgotten what we talked about. Um, Week three, we talked about unbelief and how if we want to remove doubt from our lives, then we need to feast on the miracles and faithfulness of Jesus. You guys remember that? So this week we're looking at Hebrews chapter 4. If you want to turn there with me. You guys have a good Halloween? No? I did. I went as myself. It was a pretty scary costume. As we look at Hebrews chapter 4, one of the things that, that we tend to face, I think more than probably any generation that's ever lived, is distraction. We live in a, in a culture with constant distraction. Right? It's so easy to, to in the middle of something, oh, oh, just hang on guys, one second. Right? Oh, and just, just one more, another message, right? We, we're constantly distracted. We've got our phones in our pockets. We've got messages coming in. We've got TV. We've got Instagram. We've got Facebook. We've got Snapchat. Okay, some of us have that. Then if you have kids, then, then of course they, you know, you go to, you want to go spend time with Jesus, and of course they need everything right in that, like, hour. You know, they need to eat, they need to poop, they need to shower, they need to get dressed, they need, they need everything right in that hour when you're like, okay, I'm setting this time aside for Jesus. We have so many distractions, so many things pulling at our attention. We are more connected than ever. If I want to, I can call my siblings halfway around the world. I can call them in the middle of the night. I can wake them up just to say hi. Right? Even, even 20 years ago, when we were living halfway around the world, 
you'd maybe, you'd, every once in a while you could call, but it would cost you a fortune. And if you were going to contact somebody, you'd send a letter. And it would take, sometimes it would never arrive. It would end up in a big pile and then they'd burn it and then that was the end of that. But we are more connected today than ever. Yet I wonder, is our connection to the causes of the world causing a disconnection to the voice of God? Does our increased level of connection actually keep us from being able to rest in what God is saying? To actually hear what he's saying? How often do we allow ourselves to be surrounded by silence? We don't have music playing. We don't have a podcast going. We're not listening to something. How often do we just sit and just say, God, I just want to sit here and just listen to what you're saying. And could that be one of the reasons that we so often struggle with doubt? That doubt gains a foothold in our lives because of all the distractions. Right? It's so easy to, to feel like, well, if I would just, you know, I'm just going to push through this. If I would just try harder. Okay, I was distracted, Jesus. I'm sorry, I'm back. I'm just going to try really hard to spend time with you. Right? And so, so our continual distra- uh, state of being distracted leads us to want to strive harder. And then as we strive harder, we think, well, well, why am I not experiencing what Jesus said I would experience? Why do I not experience his peace? Why do I not feel like he's providing? After all, I'm striving. I'm doing all this work. So there must be some problem on his end. Right? Why is that prayer not being answered? And it causes us to doubt, and it causes us to question his character, his nature. Because after all, it couldn't be a problem with us, right? Or could it? We strive to be more in tune, and we end up being less. We strive to be more loving, and we end up getting frustrated more. We strive to be more gracious, to be more kind. Right? All the distractions, they're bombarding us with, with all these different ideas and concepts. Right? Just be thankful every day. Okay, I'm going to try to do that. Just be kind. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and do that. I'm going to strive for that. And yet, over and over, we become less. is our fascination with the voice of culture undercutting the voice of Jesus in our lives. Hebrews chapter 4. I'm actually going to start at the, just the end of Hebrews chapter 3. Verse 16. It says, the same people who were delivered from bondage and brought out of Egypt by Moses 
were the ones who heard and still rebelled. They grieved God for 40 years by sinning in their unbelief until they dropped dead in the desert. So God swore an oath that they would never enter into his calming place of rest, all because they disobeyed him. It is clear that they could not enter into their inheritance because they wrapped their hearts in unbelief. Now God has offered us the same promise of entering into his realm of resting in confident faith. So we must be extremely careful to ensure that we all embrace the fullness of that promise and not fall and not fail to experience it. For we have heard the good news of deliverance just as they did. Yet they didn't join their faith with the word. Instead what they heard didn't affect them deeply for they doubted. For those of us who believe faith activates the promise. Everyone say faith activates the promise. And we experience the realm of confident rest. For he has said, I was grieved with them and made a solemn oath. They would never enter into the calming rest of my spirit. God's works have all been completed from the foundation of the world. For it says in the scriptures, and on the seventh day, God rested from all his work. And again, as stated before, they will never enter into my calming place of rest. Those who first heard the good news of deliverance failed to enter into that realm of faith's rest because of their unbelieving hearts. Yet the fact remained that we still have the opportunity to enter into the faith rest life and experience the fulfillment of the promise. Faith looks like resting. When we get so caught up in distractions and we we end up striving and trying harder, thinking that that will get us closer to God, it ends up seeding doubt in our lives. It ends up keeping us from this place of rest that God has actually created. So could it be that our inability to rest, with all the constant distractions, our inability to rest is actually a symptom of missing faith? See, we miss rest because we think we can earn the promises of God. We think, well, well, God will provide, right? He's promised that, but I need to just first do my part and work really hard. I'm not advocating for laziness. We say God, God will, will fulfill his promises, but first I need to do all these other things. And so we strive and we work and we try harder. But faith looks like resting. In verse 2, it says this, For we have heard the good news of deliverance, just as they did. Yet they didn't join their faith with the word. Rest is an act of partnership. 
If you go back to the very first instance of rest in the Bible. On day six, God creates man. He creates Adam and Eve. What's the very first thing he models to them? Is it how to name animals or how to pick fruit, how to harvest the land? What's the first thing that he shows them? Well, it's day seven. What happens? Rest. The very first thing that God models to man is rest. Think about that for a second. They have just been created. They have done absolutely nothing. Right? They haven't named any animals. They haven't picked any fruit. They haven't watered any gardens. And he says to them, I want you to now set aside the next day for rest. And Adam's like, can I like do something? Right? Isn't there something for me to do? And, and God models to them in this next day what it looks like to rest. But what are they resting in? Are they resting in what they've done? They haven't done anything yet. They're resting in what God has done, in the creative work that God did for six days before that. Isn't that incredible? See, God didn't institute a day of rest just so there would be a day of rest. It was part of him actually instituting his nature into creation. Day seven wasn't just about, okay, well, we're just going to go lay around and watch TV. It was about them encountering the person of rest, the Prince of Peace. And all that he had done. And so they were resting in what God had already done. Rest is an act of partnership. When I choose to rest, it is because I am partnering in what God has already done. It doesn't mean that I don't have problems in front of me. Right? It doesn't mean that there's not bills to pay. It doesn't mean there's not house, household things to finish. It's, resting is actually an act of saying, God, I believe your promises. And so I'm going to partner with that. I'm going to join my faith with the word. Right, the word that God has spoken, the promises. I'm going to join my faith with that. And I'm going to rest. You can't discover Jesus through striving. You don't discover his promises by trying harder. Do you realize that? You don't discover Jesus by trying harder. You discover him by resting in who he is. See, when, when, when God speaks, he creates, right? He spoke and it came into being. When God speaks, he creates. His word is a creative word. So when he speaks, he's providing the provision for what he's spoken. When God speaks something to you, when he speaks something into your life, when he speaks a promise, and you look and you're like, well, that's the promise, but, but this is my situation. When he speaks the promise, he creates a way 
the provision for that promise to happen. Isn't that incredible? So when I rest in what he's done, it unlocks his promises in my life for what he's going to do. When I lean into him in faith, I activate his promises in my life. And then we see the evidence of him fighting on our behalf. Here's the thing. Rest is not about a day. Right? People have gotten into a debate of, do we rest on Saturday? Do we rest on Sunday? Can we rest on a Tuesday? Like, what is the structure of this rest? How can I strive to rest? How can I work harder to make my, my rest restful? Resting isn't about a day. It's not about, well, I have dedicated... Uh, let me explain this in another way. When we're in Israel, it is mandated that the elevators, I, I think I've told you guys this, the elevators have to stop at a hotel, have to stop on every floor because it would be work to press the button. It's mandated that you rest, nobody drives from sunset on Saturday, or on Friday to sunset on Saturday. It's mandated. If you're at home and you've got no milk for the day, that's too bad. You can't get any until the next day because everything's closed. See, we've made resting. This is what, this is what Hebrews is saying is, is we've missed the point. We've made it about dedicating this day or this time period to resting. But here's the thing. If, so resting is not about a day, but if you live a lifestyle of rest where you're actually encountering Jesus, then you will take a day. If you are living a lifestyle of rest, then you will take a day of rest. It's not about the day of rest, but it's an out, that, will, that will be the outflow. Because it's about resting in his promises, resting in what he has said. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 10. As we enter into God's faith, rest, life, we cease from our own works, just as God celebrates his finished work, finished works and rests in them. So our own works, oh sorry, so then we must give our all and be eager to experience this faith rest life so that no one falls short of following, by following the same pattern of doubt and unbelief. Here's the thing is, as we, as we partner with doubt and as we partner with unbelief, 
as we allow the distractions to get to us. Right? Even if we're sitting still, inside we're not at peace. Inside we're worried, we're anxious, we're stressed. If we're living a lifestyle of rest, it's the internal world that changes. If I'm just taking a day of rest, I can sit still, I can do nothing, but internally, there's conflict, there's strife, there's problems, there's doubt, there's unbelief. Because what if God doesn't come through? What if he doesn't do what he promised he would do? I, oh, my list is so long. If I would just take this day and, and, and work you know, an extra four hours today, then I would just get so much more done. Have you guys ever said that, thought that? Like if, I just, if I just do this much more, it'll solve the problem for tomorrow. But guess what happens? Then tomorrow, there's new problems. There's more conflict. There's more strife. There's more issues. In one translation, verse 11 says, strive to enter rest. It actually implies that there's a conflict with us learning to rest. There's actually something that comes against us when we, want to, when we choose to rest. When we, want to, when we want to put faith into practice, there's an opposition. thinking about peace when I say rest? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, peace is part of it, but that's not the entirety of rest. Rest looks like stopping from my striving, right? I can, I can think I'm at peace, working really, really hard, so that God will provide for me. Then I'm not resting. But when I rest in his promise, I'm saying, God, I know what you've said. But it's not just about what you said, it's about who has said it, right? I have faith. We talked about this uh, a few weeks ago. I have faith because he is faithful. My faith stems from the fact that Jesus is faithful. Not, not because of some trumped up belief system or because I just can imagine it, but because I know his character and his nature and I know he's faithful. And so I can actually pause from my striving, pause from my feeling like I need to get this done. That if I would just do this, then God will fulfill his promise. It's a stopping from from feeling like we need to earn his promises to recognizing that his promises aren't for sale. Faith activates promise. It's by my faith partnered with his word that I actually step into his promises.
Turn with me to Romans chapter 12. Actually, sorry, I, that's not true. Second Corinthians 1. Just testing to see how well you know your Bible. Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. It says, for all of God's promises find their yes of fulfillment in him. And as his yes and our amen ascend to God, we bring him glory. This idea that if you're reading a promise of God, God's answer to that promise is not no, that's not for you. In Christ, all of God's promises are yes. Do you realize that? God's promise for healing, his promise for provision, his promise for uh, freedom, for protection, every single one of those promises are fulfilled as yes in Christ Jesus. And so our our partnership is saying amen to his yes. Our partnership is our amen to his yes. So he's already said yes, and we're saying, I'm coming into agreement, I'm coming into alignment with that, so that his promise will manifest in my life. So what do we do with that? How does our choice to rest influence our striving? How does it grow our faith and how does it kill our doubts? How do we actually take that and put it into practice? See, doubt feeds on our distractions but it's disarmed in our rest. And so I want to encourage us to fight distractions. Actually do the work to strive to be in his rest. If you're going to strive for anything, strive to be in his rest. Don't be afraid of the silence or the quiet. In Romans chapter 12, I think this verse is so relevant for today. I'll just read it to you quickly. Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. It says, Beloved friends, what should be our proper uh, response to God's marvelous mercies? I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God, to be his sacred living sacrifices, and live in holiness experiencing all that delights his heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. All right, pay attention to this. Verse 2, it says, Stop imitating 
the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. Do not be conformed. Or as it said here, stop imitating the ideals. Stop imitating the opinions of the world. So much of our distraction is about taking in the content, what the world is saying. And trying to imitate that, trying to to copy those opinions. Well, yeah, that person makes a good point. And then trying to fit Jesus in On top of that. Instead of letting him be the one who comes and actually reforms not just our thoughts but our way of thinking. Come on now. Some of of us, we came and we prayed a prayer and we came to Jesus but we never let him change the way that we would think. We never let him reform our thought processes. So we're saved, but we're still thinking like the world. Our opinions still match that of those around us. Our ideas still match that of the the system we came out of. Instead of being transformed by a new kingdom. And it's only by coming to Jesus, it's only by coming to him, aligning ourselves with him. Where we actually rest, not in our own ability to process this, in our own ability to to work harder, but we actually rest in his work of reforming our thought processes. but it takes allowing him in. We need to allow him to come. So often we, t- we take our ideas and our thoughts and, our, and we hold them so tight and we're like, Jesus, you can have my life, but you can't have this. Right? I still want to identify with this thought process. I still want that as part of, of my way of thinking. For some of us, it's, it's Jesus, I'm coming to you, but, but I still want to be the one to provide. Right? Any men in here who, who love being the provider? You feel like a good man because you can provide? When we come to Jesus, we hand that over to him. We let him change the way we're thinking. Where where I'm actually now resting in his provision instead of resting in my own ability to provide. Any ladies in here who, and this isn't just for ladies, it's for men as well, but 
who, maybe you came to Jesus, but you're like, Jesus, I still want to be able to worry. I just love laying awake at night worrying. Instead of letting him come and transform that way of thinking. Come and reform our thought process. When I choose to rest in him, it's about coming to him and allowing him to change the way I think. So that doubt that it's caused by distractions can't have a hold in my life anymore. Faith looks like rest. Allow him to come in. Allow him to change the way you think. I'm going to close here in a minute, but I just want to read you one more passage out of Hebrews chapter 4. This is what it says, verse 12. It says, For we have the living word of God, which is full of energy, and it pierces more sharply than a two-edged sword. It will even penetrate to the very core of our being where soul and spirit, bone and marrow meet. It interprets and reveals the true thoughts and the secret motives of our hearts. There is not one person who can hide their thoughts from God, for nothing that we do remains a secret and nothing created is concealed. But everything is exposed and defenseless before his eyes, to whom we must render an account. The author of Hebrews, the solution to this problem. The solution to, to not, to, to seeing our lives transformed, our hearts transformed, our thoughts transformed, is by allowing the living word, Jesus, to come and to meet with us. It says that, that the living word of God is so sharp, it can divide between joint and marrow. In your body, it can actually, that it's using this as an analogy, separating, uh, so, some translate, or some um, ways of understanding this could be, it separates between soul and soul and spirit and spirit. Where it actually divides between the parts of our soul that are still thinking like the world and the parts that are thinking like the kingdom. Where it actually divides between thoughts, between ideas, between feelings. The things that we struggle to kind of sort out and figure out, is this from God or is it not? When we allow Jesus to come and to speak to us, when we rest in who he is, he comes and he divides between those. He says, hey, that's not from me, but that is. Go after that. 
You can study scripture all you want, but if you don't allow the living word in to speak with you, to transform the way you think, you will never enter rest. You'll never be able to rest. Doubt will take hold and faith will shrink. Hebrews 4.1 says, So we must be extremely careful to ensure that we all embrace the fullness of that promise and not fail to experience it. What if we were people of rest? That is what Jesus is inviting us into. In a world that is frantically trying to get ahead through busyness, that is driven by a need to be busy and a refusal to be still and quiet. What if we as the church would actually display what it looks like to walk in rest? To be able to trust God's promises because we know his faithfulness. Rest cultivates the soil of our hearts to see his promises grow and for doubts to be uprooted. Let's pray. Jesus, we just come. We just surrender ourselves again before you. In every situation, everything we're facing, we ask that you would come and you would divide your living word, you would come and divide between soul and soul and spirit and spirit. That you would reform the way we think. Jesus, right now we just say we're sorry for any time we've chosen not to rest in your promises and we've thought we could buy them by our own work. We thank you today that you're inviting us to rest in what you've done. In your promises for healing, for deliverance, for freedom, for provision. We thank you that in everything that we're facing, we can stand on your promise. And we choose to do that this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.